This week on Inside Motorsport, we celebrate our 20th anniversary on air. Our very first guest on Inside Motorsport back at Triple SFM in 2014, this very day in fact, was Chris Landon. He at the time was the publisher of Motorsport News and is even an independent V8 supercar commissioner and right now still a motorsport competitor. I had an opportunity to speak to him about 20 years ago when he joined us on the show for the first time. It was sort of in the middle of his motorsport career. Well, I guess it was. I mean, um, I, I don't want to make myself sound even older than that, but, I, you know, I've, I guess I've been involved in motor racing since I was 14. But at the time that you uh, that you kicked off the show 20 years ago, we had, I think, we were about a few months into the life of Motorsport News, uh, the magazine which we started to, to compete with Auto Action and which grew and grew and went on for pretty much seven. Years. I don't know whether you know this, but it was actually Dennis Newland that told me to come and speak to you guys because you were the new kids on the block. Yes, oh, that's really interesting. Cause, yes, Dennis, um, I think really from right at the start, was doing our speedway coverage because that's his, uh, his passion. And, uh, and I mean, for people that don't know, Motorsport News actually grew, sort of grew out of auto action um, at, at the time. Uh, I had been auto action editor uh, a few years previously and I'd ended up in management and senior management there at, at the company that produced it, which was owned by Fairfax. And uh, again, people will remember in the early 90s, Fairfax was being destroyed by the Fairfax family uh, and people were being laid off all over the place. And uh, it came to a point in 1993 when both myself and my, my boss and a whole lot of people were made redundant on the same day. And uh, one of the roles that I had and, and my boss had at that time was to sort of have a plan in place in case anybody came out in opposition to auto action, which had a, a very, very profitable monopoly at the time. And because we'd all gone, there was no one left there that even knew the plan. So it was just a very, very you know, fortuitous timing that enabled me and a couple of other people from uh, within there to, to start off, I think about four months later, um, in opposition to auto action, um, which at the time was fortnightly. We went on the other fortnight and, you know, away we went. And um, I think it's probably the best decision I ever made in my life because it became quite successful. And uh, I think we actually uh, put our nose ahead of them at one point um, and so on and so on. So, yes, it was, um, wow, 20 years ago. Not long after we started chatting to you, one of the biggest things in Formula One history was the death of Ayrton Senna, and uh, I think the Senna Memorial Edition was the bestseller of motorsport news. Oh, absolutely, and it remains it. It's, it's quite bizarre. We'd been going for, for nine months, and as you say, that happened, and uh, that week, it was our week. As In those days, we alternated with auto action, and, and it all happened, as we know. And the guys, we pulled out the stops to... to, to do the most respectful coverage we could of it, and uh, yeah, it, it, that, that week's issue. Nine months in was never ne no other issue of, of motorsport news in the you know uh, 17 years subsequent to that that we that I owned it got close, and uh, that just reflects I think how a uh, how big a deal it was, and, and b back then there wasn't a lot of, a lot of other sources of genuine inside news you know these days it would be all over the internet and everyone would know all about everything the details and everything they needed to know within 24 hours but of course it was a bit different then for journalism and journalists the change of social media online media that's been one of the big shifts on the way people are consuming information and it has been a tough 
medium to be able to stay afloat in. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, it, um, you know, it, it, there were some golden years beyond that, that week, weekend with the Center, which was, you know, that was pretty tough personally because um, I think as I possibly told you, I, I knew him quite well when he was 17. So, you know, everyone generally in motor racing was hit hard by it and, and, and it, was, it was tough. But I think for probably 10 years after that, uh, print publishing and that kind of thing. But gradually and absolutely unstoppably, uh, the internet and the electronic medium have just gradually, gradually, gradually taken over. Um, and we um, we tried to get in on that, uh, you know, as best we could. It's a it's a really interesting quandary that even the big timers like Rupert Murdoch are struggling to to you know to do in the best way um, because the the problem with the internet, as good as it is, is that you know, there's a generation of people fractionally younger than you and I that just don't want to pay for anything on the internet. So you, you've got to kind of make it work. And uh, I think that's been the toughest thing in the motorsport media industry over the last 10 years. And, uh, you know, a number of quite good printed publications have uh, come to the end of their run. Um, as you probably know, I, I actually sold Motorsport News to a Sydney company called Next Media about three and a half years ago, uh, and they actually shut it down uh, last Christmas. So I think it's an inevitable, ongoing thing that will eventually affect all the, all the printed media that we currently use, including daily newspapers. But where, where they go from that and how these companies pay their journalists and their photographers is, is going to be a tough gig. There has been a concentration, further and further concentration on independent voices because nowadays there's a big shift towards having the official site as the, the you know main source of news as well as publicity. Well, that's right. I mean, you know, take V8 Supercars as an example. They have their own official site, which is, which is well and good, but, you know, you and I, we all know that whatever appears on that site has the... I guess the tick or the imprimatur of the supercars. You'll, you'll never see anything particularly awkward or nasty about V8 supercars on a site like that. So, what digital media has done is allowed others, other things to, to independent things to spring up. Uh, and to be honest, these days, if you've got an iPhone and a Twitter account, you're halfway to being a journalist. You know, so uh, just about anybody can have their say, which. You know, it, that's, there's good and bad sides to that. You know, good in that, yes, people can have their say, but B, a whole lot of people who really don't know a lot about much and uh, who certainly aren't journalists, um, you know, get to get to express an opinion out there that may or may not be informed. And so, you know, you've got to be very, very smart as to how you interpret what you read these days uh, and as to whether the people writing it actually know what they're talking about. Obviously, nowadays... For international motorsport, people are able to get that information which really people were waiting every two weeks for to hear what Joe Sowood or Mike Dudson had to say about Formula One. Oh, quite. I, look, I remember back at the start, uh, even prior to motorsport news, when I was back at uh, Auto Action, you know, we would be sitting there waiting breathlessly for an air, an air courier package to arrive. Uh, with Nigel Snowden's photography from a Grand Prix somewhere around the world, you know, which we would breathlessly get about four or five days after the race, uh, you know, along with Mike Goodson's copy. Um, you know, these days it is so instantaneous. I mean, literally I was at the Grand Prix at the weekend with Keith Sutton, uh, who, who's Sutton Industries, you know, Sutton Images rather, is the biggest you know, independent motorsport photo agency. 
these guys have actually got transmitters on their digital cameras now so that the cameras are actually transmitting the images to where they want them to go instantaneously, you know. Uh, and wrote for us all those many, many years ago has come back to um, write for us in gpweek.com, which is something I still do in motor racing, uh, which is Formula One and MotoGP digital magazine. Mike's come back uh, to uh, to write for us, and, and same thing. His copy can be with us instantly, and uh, if we need to discuss it with him or change it or sort it, 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 it's all instantly. So, I mean, all that is brilliant for the consumer these days. It absolutely is. Now, we haven't talked about television, but what the television package can produce is vastly superior to what we saw 20 years ago. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, they've only got to look at the, you know, the coverage of V8 supercars, for example, compared with what it was 20 years ago. You know, the, the trick stuff and the, and the in-car cameras and the cameras and curbs and you know, even some of the special tricks that they use, um, it, it can make for a pretty good show. I think the interesting thing is, is how that's going to change in the next few years. And it, you, you already see it with events like the Bathurst 12-hour, where, in fact, you don't have to have a commercial television deal to broadcast. Uh, the internet is getting bigger and bigger and stronger and faster. And so you've got the Bathurst 12-hour race being you know, sent out via the net. Um, and I think that's where the growth is going to be from here on, making it even, you know, even more readily available to to things that perhaps aren't as big as, as V8 supercars. And uh, to be honest, I wouldn't necessarily want shares in um, in a free-to-air television at the moment. We have more with our chat with Chris Lambden next week on the show. I hope you'll join us then. Inside Motorsport is produced by Thunder Media for the Community Radio Network.